And welcome, or welcome back from wherever and whenever you're listening. This is Season 1, Episode 5 of My Guest List Pod. I'm Darren, and if you're new to the show, this is how it works. Each episode, I invite a guest creator onto the show, and we count down a top 10 list in a topic of their choice. Along the way, we take breaks and ask them questions to delve a little deeper into their world and get to know them and their work a little better. If you would like to get in contact with me or submit suggestions, ideas, or your own top 10 list for the show, you can get in touch at my guest list pod pretty much everywhere you look. Don't forget to send in your top 10 list on today's topic. I haven't had one come in yet, so you can guarantee that if you send yours in, it will get read out on the show. All links are also in the show notes each week, so you can check there as well. And there is a new link in there this week that you can check out, especially if you're a podcaster. As a new podcaster myself, one of the annoying things about trying to collect the reviews you get for your show is that Apple, for example, only show you reviews you get in the iTunes store of the country that the review is made in. So if someone reviews my show in Canada, I won't even know they have reviewed unless they tell me. And I won't be able to see the review unless I log into that country's iTunes page. Uh, Honestly, I'm still not entirely aware of all the platforms that allow you to rate review other than Apple. However, I recently signed up for a service that aggregates all your ratings and reviews from a number of sources and displays them for you in one place. Not only that, but they also offer a link for your podcast that automatically displays only the rating and review platforms compatible with your listener's device. So people don't have to wonder or search for how and where they can rate and review your show. Go check out mypodcastreviews.com and I'd be grateful if you could please use my affiliate link when you join to let them know who sent you. So today's show, I'm chatting with another podcaster I met through a Facebook podcasters group. Jonathan answered my call for guests and once I heard his show, I knew I had to have him on as a guest. I have to thank him also for doing the show when he did Uh, As he was going through a very stressful time, Jonathan was selling his house and we spoke as he was packing boxes. He actually had to go find his headphones in one of the packed boxes to do the interview. So uh, I'm very grateful for him taking the time out uh, to talk to me. So without further ado, here's a community-minded individual that has a truly interesting and worthwhile podcast that I now listen to on a regular basis. So the question is... What y'all listening to? Lime Light Highlight Podcast. Welcome back to the show, your positive podcast, safe space and great place for a positive outlook on life. It seems each day we are presented with a new and more challenging world to live in, where sometimes just surviving is a win. Unfortunately, this also means that many of us only concern ourselves with making our own lives a little easier, which we can all appreciate and understand. It doesn't help that our media thrives on doom porn, negativity, and virtue signaling, and outrage seem to be like legal tender for social media. So it's rare and exciting when you finally come across someone with a truly selfless goal, someone who cares about others, and actually does something to support his community, and spreads a message of positivity. Today, I'm very fortunate and excited to speak to someone like this, an individual who is doing great work through his podcast and in his community. There is an old saying that charity begins at home. And the Limelight Highlight podcast stays true to that sentiment, as it is very involved with local Philadelphia charities, not the least of which is The Block Gives Back. But not satisfied with just helping locally, Jonathan Rosario, the host of the podcast, highlights and thrusts individuals and groups into the limelight from all over the US and the globe. 
making each episode an oasis of positive energy and inspiration for anyone that listens. He's a softly spoken man with a loud and important message. Jonathan Rosario, welcome to my guest list pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was a heck of an intro. I appreciate it. Uh, not a problem, mate. Uh, all uh, warranted and uh, earned. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, I re- really appreciate uh, you giving up your time. Uh, yeah, I know you're a busy man, so uh, it's great that we can get to speak and talk about all the things that you're involved with. But before we do, uh, I'd love for everyone to, to, to know the Jonathan Rosario story. Okay, yeah. Um, it'll be a little bit long-winded, so uh, forgive fine. me, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, Thank you once again for that introduction. Um, Jonathan Rosario, I have a podcast called Limelight Highlight, um, but I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the United States of America. My mom really raised me from, since I could remember, pretty much single mom kind of thing. My dad was uh, obviously in my life, more of a friend than a father um, until I got older, of course. But uh, yeah, I went to school, went to four different high schools, you know, not a troubled kid, I'd say, but you know kind of kind of a rebel i guess I had plenty in, of in some cases <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> plenty of character it's a great way to say it um i always wanted to actually join the military i think there was an air show that my mom took me to when i was younger um she remembers better than i do but um i met a pilot and i thought to myself like that's that's what i want to do when i grow up so i always wanted to go to the air force I, I, instead I was with the Marine Corps. <laughs> it okay. was a different, different kind of path thing. The Air Force wasn't as available as I'd like them to be, but the Marine Corps was very well, um, in my life and trying to get me to join. And that's what I did. So, uh, after I graduated high school, took a year off, 19, I joined the Marine Corps. I served for just shy of five years, got out. I tried to sell life insurance for a little bit because I wanted to change the pace. I was, uh, I was an electrician for helicopters while I was in the Marine Corps, oh, nice. and I didn't want to do that when I got out. Yeah. Um, so I tried to sell life insurance, but uh, that didn't work out very well. So then I went right back to being a, an electrician for the same helicopter I worked on in the military as a civilian instead. Then I got my A&P license, for those who don't know, in the aviation industry. It's called your auxiliary and power plant license. Okay. I didn't or airframe <laughs> or airframe and power plant license. Yeah. And it's basically uh, a license that gives me the okay to work on all United States aircraft, anything that flies in the sky, pretty much. I'm certified. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah and um, appreciate it. And I, after I got that, I now work for, it's called Reach Air Medical Services. Okay. So I just maintain a medevac helicopter. And I make sure that thing flies so it can go and help save lives. But uh, I think uh, February of 2018, I started my podcast after I just, you know, we were talking before the podcast, your story, you know, trying to get with a bunch of friends to have co-hosts to be on a podcast together. I kind of had the same same similar experience where I did have a couple co-hosts, but it was a different podcast for more pop culture, kind of nonsensical talking about things, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, one person moved away, so we kind of broke up. The band broke up. And uh, I learned what it was and what was needed to build a podcast. And I wanted to do something more more meaningful, kind of exactly how you explained in the intro. You know, we, we live in a world where drama is highlighted every day. 
you turn on the news and there's nothing positive and the things that are positive is like um i always use the example of a dog jumped in a pool to save a drowning squirrel you know yeah. it's not really it's not really uh it's a it's a fluff piece it's but fluff it's not piece, exactly yeah yeah it's not uh highlighting anything you know worthwhile mm-hmm. so i wanted uh the podcast to be about you know it's kind of grown over the over the two years but um I wanted it to be about something like something of substance where we have a problem that we we all see is constantly highlighted in the news. But who is actually doing the things to solve that problem or make life better for people, you know, that are being affected by that problem? So I started uh, Limelight Highlight and that's kind of what it's grown into. I, I interview nonprofit organizations. I interview people who volunteer groups, friends, uh, who are just trying to make the world a little bit better for a problem that they're seeing on their day-to-day basis. Yep. Perfect. And and that's what I, I get out of your show, which is, you know, it's, it really is a bit of an oasis where if you, you don't, you want to go into listening to something and come out of it, no, you're going to, going to feel inspired or you're just going to feel happy that you know that there's someone doing something positive in the world, then you listen to your podcast and that's, always the feeling that you get which is great yeah and i like i'm i'm glad that it it got to your radar you know um one of the things i find myself having trouble with is uh getting more listeners and getting people out there like we said you know drama and bad news is is something that's constantly highlighted because people are it's it's attention grabbing yes you know yeah people love to to see the the drama unfold it's It's like a car wreck yeah you know you're on the road and you see a car wreck you can't turn you you're rubberneck (laughs) But um, there's not much of an outlet out there for the the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Where good news and things of that nature. Maybe look, I was just thinking about that. Maybe people see something being done by someone else that is good and you know is positive, and they maybe they feel a little bit guilty that they're not doing something like that or they haven't tried to, and so it's easy to look away and just to maybe pretend it doesn't exist. So yeah, uh, yeah, there's that too. So, look, is this, you were talking about, you were looking at doing another podcast with your friends. Is this your first actual podcast that you've put out in terms of the show? No, no. So I, I have done, so before this podcast was created, I had another podcast with two of my other buddies that both served in the Marine Corps as well, but I actually had worked with. Mm-hmm. And that was my kind of introduction on kind of, you know, road bumps and what, I figured, you know, three heads are better than one and we could all figure out what we really need to do to get a podcast going. Yep. But um that one just kind of fell to the wayside because people moved, creative differences, kind of things of that nature. So okay. that was my first podcast, but this one is my my actual baby, my own, you yeah. know, my <laughs> first uh my independent one. Yes, fantastic. Oh, that's good. Look, with with your time in the military, do you think that maybe colored or inspired you? Did it affect your idea of what sort of podcast you wanted to do? So, um, I never thought about that really. I got out of the military in 2014. Yeah. So I didn't start listening to podcasts till about maybe 2016. Okay. Or maybe 17. So I never really thought about that, but I would say, you know, I, I did experience a ton of different life experiences that people don't get to experience in the military. Yeah. So I think it, it definitely, Maybe not directly, but indirectly, maybe um, gave me the idea of trying to do something different. The only reason I ask is I think, you know, like joining the military in the first place is 
you know, depending on why you go in. But a lot of times it's a selfless act anyway because you, you're wanting to, to help or you wanted to uh, protect that same idea that you have with your podcast in terms of being able to or wanting to promote charities and help people and support communities. It's the same sort of mindset I think that, yeah, a lot of people that join the military probably don't even acknowledge that they have, but it's that same uh, base emotion or drive to to be of service. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that connection that you made. I, to, uh, in all honesty, I that was I joined the military for selfish reasons, not selfless reasons. Um, <laughs> That's good. Uh, That's right. You know, growing up in Philadelphia, it's not the greatest neighborhood. Okay. I, mean, I didn't grow up in the greatest neighborhood, so. Yeah. One of the things that people in in poverty, not that I was super impoverished, but, you know, once again, not the greatest neighborhood. Yeah. Um, one of the vehicles to get out of those areas is the military. Yeah. OK. For some people, yes. you know, some people yeah. can afford college. But with the way that system works, uh, I was not one of those people. I yeah. um, I joined because I, I knew I wasn't mature enough to be able to sit in a classroom and, and be disciplined enough to go to class. I yeah. barely finished high school as it is. Yeah. So I, I joined the military because I knew I wasn't going to go to college and I had to do something with my life. Okay. So, you know, it kind of worked. I mean, it worked out for me, but uh, I don't think that was my initial thought, but I do like the connection that you did there. Cause I yeah. guess, uh, you know, ultimately underlying we did, we definitely did some humanitarian work while I was in the military. So, and I always volunteered. So, like I said, I, I, see, I think sometimes people that maybe have that uh, ingrained as part of who they are, but they don't actually acknowledge that or, or see it in themselves sometimes. And uh, it's hard for me to believe it's, you know, that someone like you in terms of, the, you know, I've listened to you a lot. You know, I think that's part of who you are that you, you want to help always. And it just comes across like that. And yeah, obviously there were some more reasons that, you know, we're at the forefront of joining the military, but you stayed there and you were there for, for five years too. What's a normal tour? Like, th- or not tour, but, uh, you uh, you're there yeah. for three years or? Uh, four. Four. Usually if you're, if you're doing, um, active duty, which I did, it's yeah. about four. Okay. Um, for reservists, I think it's six. Okay. Yeah. So you were there plus an extra year as well. So, and I dare say you got a lot out of it. Like I, uh, have family that are military. Uh, as well, or were uh, older family. My grandparents. I grew up with my grandparents, and my grandfather was uh, military for a lot, a lot of his life, army before the Second World War, and then Navy in the Second World War. And military it, it produces a certain kind of person, I think, sometimes, and they're very disciplined, and especially the naval guys. It seems. <laughs> uh, I oh got, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always got told off for you know leaving things around, and it's just, <laughs> just something you don't do when you're on a ship. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, that's great. That's fantastic. We have a top 10 to get to. So your choice of top 10 today, why did you, I'll, I'll tell everyone, your your topic is top 10 movies that deserve a live action remake, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Why did you choose? And, and I love the fact that you've chosen this because I love it when my guests surprise me and I did not expect you to pick this topic. So why did you pick this topic? Well, I kind of got the idea from your list. So I've okay. seen, you know, the top 10 list of different genres. I'm a huge, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a movie buff or a movie critic because I, I just love watching movies, um, specifically sci-fi and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, 
I picked that one because, especially today, you know, with the success that Disney has had with their Marvel uh, cinematic universe, uh, a lot of comics have come to life. And I grew up reading comics. Um, one of the things I've always, I mean, once again, sci-fi kind of uh, geek over here. <laughs> I I really wanted to see, and I'm really intrigued at certain movies that I've seen throughout the years when I'm, you know, me growing up that I would love to see adapted into a, a, a live action adaptation. Yeah. And um I figured since we're you know, you got a top ten list of movies, why not choose a top ten list of animated movies that deserve a live action adaptation? All right. Well we might as well get to your number ten. Let's hear your number ten. Um I think I picked Gundam Wing. That's the one. Um I came out with with nine. Gundam Wing was almost a throwaway for me. Mm-hmm. I just remember that was one of the very big uh I don't know if you would consider anime. Yeah, I guess you would call yeah, that anime. I think it would be, yeah. Cartoon movie or shows that I watched growing up. And there were so many uh, spinoffs and kind of different versions of it. And I just like humongous robots that blow <laughs> things up into action. And uh, I know I mentioned earlier I always wanted to be a pilot. And yeah. one of the big things is, you know, spaceships flying in space. I love Star Wars. Yeah. So um, seeing that is like – you know, just a, a spaceship. It has everything that I would want in a movie as far as live adaptation goes is uh, action, a lot of explosions, jets that turn into robots that get piloted that you can fight with. And I'm a, for some reason, I grew up watching Sci Fi Channel. Okay. And I don't know if you ever heard of Highlander. You ever seen Highlander? The movie or the series? Yeah. yeah. Either or. Yeah, yeah. No, I love so, it. I, I saw it as a movie three times. I think the original one with Christopher Lambert. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. And my mom was a huge sci-fi nut. So I think me being around her all the time, that's what we would watch. Okay. And I just had this huge infatuation with swords and weapons and blades. So like (laughs) watching that made me, you know, in a mixture of robots that fly in space with wings. It's like, uh, yeah. Why not? Why not see that on a big screen in a real live action kind of film? I agree. I think that'd be actually a fantastic one to, uh, to make as a live action remake because also, uh, I, I'll be honest. I had not watched Gundam Wing before I saw your list and I went and watched some on YouTube and I love the fact that, uh, the different robots were made for different, uh, purposes. So you've got an underwater yeah, yeah. robot, you've got a land robot, a heavy robot, you've got an, air wing robot that all have different abilities and things like that. And I thought that was fantastic. That was really cool. Yeah. So that was, that was, uh, that was a good one. For me. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's move on to number nine. So, uh, I picked Samurai Jack. Um, I was a huge cartoon network fan. Uh huh. I don't know for those who've ever seen Samurai Jack, if they haven't, the, the synopsis of the, of the show is a samurai based in how, whatever, year that was i forget what it is and there's a uh there's a demon named haku and he kind of comes and he's terrorizing the um the world basically and samurai jack has this sword it's like a legendary sword once again we get back into the swords and the weapons <laughs> uh is this legendary sword that can hurt haku no other weapons can really hurt him so samurai jack is basically gonna you know hit the final blow on haku to, to get rid of him and he gets thrown into the future. So Haku opens this dimension, throws him into the future and the future without Samurai Jack is uh, just an apocalyptic world where just other worlds and aliens have kind of come to earth. And uh, 
made Earth their home as well, I, I believe, if, if I do recall. If not, it's a bunch of other planets, but I'm pretty sure it's Earth. And um, Haku is just the leader. He's the supreme ruler, and he has like a whole army. So Samurai Jack is just on this mission throughout the entire show to find Haku, kill him, and, and you know, move, take, you know, go back to his homeland. Okay. And uh, I just figured that'd be a really good um, movie or live at live action adaptation. You know, you got samurais, you got machines, and all these things that are placed in this crazy dystopian future. Yeah. That's yeah. ruled by a demon. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it will sort of reminds me a little bit of the Cloverfield paradox and things like that, where you know now someone else is ruling, whereas in the future of the different paradoxes in, in the Cloverfield universe, there's now monsters because of something that happened in the past. And Okay, nice. Nice. Um, number eight. Now, this is probably going to be a really popular one with a lot of people, and my son has been trying to get me to watch this for a long time, and I've only seen a couple of episodes. So <laughs> your number eight live-action remake would be? Rick and Morty. <laughs> that is a... Uh that's a it it took i don't i guess social media by storm when it came out i know the first time i watched it just the voice acting alone put me so off because of how annoying it sounded okay and uh but kind of you know i kind of bared it and and watched the whole first episode and just the adventures that rick and his grandson morty go through it's just I think that would you could do so much as yeah. far as a live a live adaptation goes. And I remember trying to get my wife to watch it, and I put it on, and immediately, I guess she was so put off by the voices as well that she <laughs> she just refused. She's like, "I'm not doing this. I'm not. You got to turn this off. I'm not doing this." So yeah. But uh, watching it, and it's it, they just recently released another season now on HBO. I haven't seen yet, but I love it. I just I can't get enough of Rick and Morty. It's hilarious. It's a, a adult humor <laughs> yeah. as well. Yes. So I think that would be great for uh, both you know teenagers and adults to go see that at the movie theater. What, one question: Who would you get to play Rick? Oh man, um, no, you I'll- know I I forget his name. But the person I'm thinking of, he also played um, Doc Brown in. in <laughs> what is it? No, I was going to say Doc Brown in Back to the Future. <laughs> oh yeah, per- I mean that that's my first go to. But I th- I don't know if he's too old now. Yeah, to, probably. To play him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the second person I was thinking is um, the guy who played in Anger Management, the crazy guy. He's oh, also in. Um, I haven't seen that it, movie in ages. The, is it The Shine? Not The Shining. Um, yeah, is it The Shining where he's got the axe going through the... Jack Nicholson. Going, Jack Nicholson, there oh, you go. Oh, yeah, if you did him up, I could see that. Yeah, fair enough. That's a that's a good pull. Yeah, yeah definitely. He's got the crazy eyes, you yeah, know. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, Doc, Doc, Doc Martin was the, was the per, per, first person that I thought about yeah, that, when I thought of... Yeah, Jack Nicholson, Jack I never even considered that. But if you did him up with the right makeup, he could be sufficiently dis- uh, crazy. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Ah, oh, very good. Yeah. What about uh, Morty? Who would you get to play Morty? Oh man, um, probably what's his name from um, Superbad? That kid. Oh, the one uh, uh, McLovin. Yes. No, not McLovin. <laughs> not McLovin. Um, the fat kid's uh, friend. He's also in Scott Pilgrim Saves the World. Oh, um, 
I can't believe I can't. This is this is what I tell you about my my, my recall is going. Uh, I know uh, I know because I love Scott Pilgrim. I love that movie. Um, but, yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I know who you mean. Yeah. That yeah actually- I'm terrible. I'm terrible with actor names as well. But I, <laughs> I, I can I can quote the movie. So I think he'd be a really good. Um, yeah. Perfect. 40. I think you've you've cast that that uh, live action remake absolutely perfect. So that'd be fantastic. <laughs> All right, so yeah. let's move on to number seven, and this was a bit of a surprise for me. This one, but I could I could see it working. So number seven, what's your number seven? Uh, Dexter's Lab. So Dexter's Laboratory, super popular Cartoon Network show back in the early two thousands, nineties or late nineties. Um, I picked that one because I just remember watching Dexter's Lab, and just kind of every episode was just him inventing some crazy craziness and i feel like as as childish as some of it would is i feel like you could throw a little bit of adult humor in there if you okay. had a, a live action adaptation yeah. and you know with the sister sisters yeah and yeah. then you know he's got that uh arch nemesis who's not as smart but he's still very smart kind mm-hmm. of i just feel like it'd be a good movie you know to just overall kind of have thrown on probably not it probably wouldn't hit the theaters but i think uh if they did it right they it, it could maybe yeah you could do a tv movie for you know like uh cartoon network or something like that maybe that that yeah, would work yeah. yeah okay fine that that's good okay so we've got the first 10 9 8 and 7 done let's take a pause and i want to ask you some questions about your podcast but also some of the the charities or the the things that you work with closely obviously we we couldn't do an interview with you without actually mentioning the block gives back so if you could of course let everybody know what that is and what it does for the the local community that would be fantastic yeah so uh the block gives back is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that started a few years ago it started honestly with just a group of friends that we all went to the same high school. They were actually friends of my wife before they were friends of mine, but now you could never tell that. Uh-huh. And uh, they started out by kind of just going around giving homeless people socks, um, trying to you know supply them with warm weather gear, you know, when it got yeah. cold out. And then they, I guess, I would say their hallmark kind of event that kind of started them down this path is uh, their four blocks in four weeks. Okay. So anyone who's familiar with the city of Philadelphia, there's a huge uh, drug problem, uh, heroin specifically. And it's gotten so bad that there's certain parts of Philadelphia called zombie land because these people in the middle of the day just almost hitting the ground with their face. That's how slumped yeah. over these people are. Yeah. And um, so, you know, uh, the president of the block is back, Tommy Rausch. He is um, – a very big proponent for Philly. He is all about, hey, like, uh, one thing that I commend him on is he always says he, he'll, he'll never leave the city of Philadelphia because he wants to make it a place where you can raise a family kind of thing. You know, yeah. like he, he's, he's got this thing is, I don't know if you call it a motto or a, a virtue of himself where it's like, Hey, I don't want to leave this city because I know there's other better places out there. Yeah. I want to make this city one of those better places. Yeah. Huge task, big heart, and they're doing it, you know. Um, so their first real big event called Four Blocks in Four Weeks is they nominate four blocks in April, you know, for spring cleaning. Mm-hmm. And um, we live in row homes. Do you know what a row home is? No. Um, do you know, you ever heard of, uh, you ever seen the show Full House? Yes. 
Yes. So definitely. you know how they live in they share they they live in that house that house. It's a two store two story house. Sometimes it's three. Yep. And they share left you know walls on both sides. That's yes. a row. Ah, okay. So that's a lot of those are in Philly. Okay. So every block in Philly has a block captain, and the block captain is kind of a representative of the, of the block, and they're supposed to report to the city whenever there's maybe a pothole. Oh, okay. Or, you know, a street light out or something like that. They're yep. supposed to, you know, kind of just make sure everything's good on the block. So they, the, the block is back, kind of contacts the city and they get permits and stuff like that so they can shut down the block. Um, in where I was raised in the hood, I guess you can call it. In the summer, we would close down the block, have a block party. The block captains would do that. They'd okay. open up the fire hydrant <laughs> and they would have like a, a lunch truck that would come by with, we call them box towels or box lunches and you'd get like a little sandwich, a cookie and stuff like that. And everybody would play in the fire hydrant, you know, yep. it's, uh, it's one of those things. So, uh, the block is back kind of gets the permission to shut down the block from the city. Sometimes the cops are there to kind of just, uh, mediate or kind of just be around for, you know, just to have that relationship to build. And they knock on everybody's door on whatever nominated block it is and they clean up the streets. And they get all the kids involved. They throw a block party. They have a little D. They have a DJ there. They 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 supply like pizza and food and things of that nature. And uh, it's a really good time. And every it kind of gives the people of that of that block uh, a little bit more pride in um, Philadelphia. You know, in, yeah. in the in the place that they live. Fantastic. And you should see the amount of needles that they collect. It's crazy. Mm, okay. But yeah. um. Yeah, that's their hallmark event. I would say that I would consider that their hallmark event, but they do peace and play where it's a nonviolent um, event, you know, to love thy park tours, the different things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- because coronavirus has been such a big thing, uh, a lot of those events weren't able to happen. So instead, they have been doing, uh, they call it the Feed the Block event. Okay. And every single Saturday, they they make pasta, hot tray meals. For whoever is around, they make well over a hundred meals, a hundred, you know, uh, hot trays to serve out to anybody. You can be in a Mercedes Benz and come up and pick a hot tray, or you can be somebody really down on their luck and you're not going to get turned away. And from that, you know, from the start of the, from the start of the pandemic, they've gotten more and more donations. So now they get out bagels as well because they have a donation to bagels. They get sometimes, um, like little snack packs with chips and things of that nature. Um, what else do they get? They have uh, bread, a ton of bread that they give out. Okay. Loaves of bread. Yep. They've been partnering together with a Milk. company called Sharing Excess. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharing Excess gives us the, these actually produce boxes and they have milk, cheese, eggs, um, uh, their, uh, what is it? Uh, cold cuts, you know, uh, vegetables and yes. produce and things of like that. So they, they've given out all those things and they've served well over five. I, yeah. I think they hit over 5,000 meals now. That's annoying. They're just constantly fantastic. doing these things. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you get a chance to go down and, and help out uh, in person with all that? Yeah. So anytime that I'm in, I'm in the city, I try to go, I sponsor. So in August we did a block to school event. So it was an event for uh, back to school drive where we were able to get uh, raise enough money and get enough donations to accumulate a thousand school bags. Okay. And so we gave out a thousand school bags with back to school necessities, you know, pens, paper, folders, all 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 of those things. We they even partnered up with uh, another nonprofit that came out of COVID 
called JKL Smiles. Okay. And she supplied each one of those book bags, thousand book bags with uh, dental hygiene kits. So Fantastic. I listened to that episode actually. Oh yeah? Nice. Yeah. yeah, that was good. No, that's fantastic. That that that's really good. We were, were you aware of the block gives back before you started the podcast? Because I know I think it was episode number four a while back now where we meet Hakeem. Uh, is that when you became aware of the block gives back or were you involved before then? Um, I was not involved before then. So okay. I heard through the grapevine, kind of also through Hakeem that they were doing this. I know my wife was telling, I love the fact that they were doing this, but I didn't really know the guys the yeah. way I know them now. Yeah. So just kind of approaching them as well as me just starting my podcast, you know, I wanted to get something going where I could actually talk to them and kind of get the details of what it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of when I got on their radar and I wanted to support and help any way I can. And back then they weren't, a, they weren't, they didn't have their nonprofit status. So they relied a lot on just regular donations or, you know, just people who were willing to give up money without a receipt. Cause you know, a lot of people like to give money because they can do a tax write off. Yeah, of course. Um, so when they got their nonprofit stat- status, that was a bigger opportunity for them to make more money or to, you know, collect more money. But, um, at that point I was just trying to, trying to be involved any way I can, but it's hard, you know, being 3,000 miles away yeah. across the country. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But uh, whenever I did go, I, I tried to volunteer as much as I possibly can. That's great. It's great to hear. And it's good to hear that someone who likes to obviously promote a cause is actually physically involved with it and actually puts his himself into something like that because there's a lot of people who will talk about causes and things like that, but maybe not get out there and put the shoulder to the grindstone sometimes so and give up their time so it's it's fantastic to hear that follow through that you have so uh, yeah. and you're genuine it, it comes from obviously you're genuinely interested in your community so oh yeah i mean and it's funny you say that because uh one of the big things when i did start the podcast i said to myself you know i want to be genuine i want to be transparent i want to see people i want to i want to have people be able to see me and see the podcast grow but yeah. also me be involved in doing the work you know i want to yes. practice what i preach yep, so definitely being involved with the block is back is giving me that opportunity to do those things i wanted to ask you you you've had a lot of people on your show you know you've done a lot of episodes and highlighted a lot of different things um one for example i really liked was the the lego one i think it was a, a boy who he was uh, either blind or couldn't see very well and they they created a braille version of the Lego instructions so that uh, yeah yeah one. yeah that was fantastic it, what charity that you've come across that's really knocked your socks off and by the idea um, maybe it's a smaller charity but just the idea it was something you never thought of that is there anything that really stands out I don't know if it's knocked my socks off but I have been impressed by certain so uh, re- recently I did an episode about a kid who started a nonprofit where he he kind of because of the pandemic and everything like that where he's collected food and to the point where they've organized tractor trailers you know 18 wheelers mm-hmm. to actually go and give out and deliver food and and essentials yep. to a native american tribe that he kind of his bloodline kind of flows through okay and also he he started it called uh, a non-bullying kind of uh, event because he was bullied at school. Yes. So he kind of uh, out of that he kind of uh, created his own nonprofit to give back instead of combating bullies by you know 
retaliating with violence, he retaliated with kindness. And um, he was only seven years old, and he's always, he's got a ton of donations and he's helping impressive. a lot of people's lives. You know, that's impressive at seven years old to be able to look outside yourself like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing that at seven. <laughs> there was a there's a couple that I that I do like. I I just can't think of of one that's really like okay, stand knock my socks off, you know. Okay. All right. Look, let's get back to the countdown. The countdown of top 10 movies that deserve a live action remake. We're up to number six. Uh, this is one I've heard of, but I know nothing about. So <laughs> you're going to have to guide me here. Uh, but I have heard of it at least. So yeah. So number six is Voltron. This was a show in the late eighties, early nineties cartoon about four, no, five lion machines that, uh, kind of like the Power Rangers, when they got together, they formed Voltron, so it was a defender of the universe. Kind oh, of this, thing, so. Is this the Deadpool one he talks about in the movie yes, Deadpool? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. There you go. I, I yes, know. I know the action is. figures in Deadpool. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, they, they create this lion, or they, they're five lions that they form together to create Voltron, who's this defender of the universe, Okay. and he's supposed to combat enemies of the universe and things of that nature. This kind of got back on my radar because Netflix has an original series where they kind of they revamped the cartoon from the 90s to a more modern version of for today. Okay. And I think it's really well done. I think there was like three or four seasons of it. But um, I go right back to Gundam Wing. One, one big thing I love is space flying and huge robots just kicking butt. So mm-hmm. Voltron is definitely one of has all those aspects. So you'd be you'd be a big Pacific Rim fan as well. Yeah, and it's funny because I get a lot of crap for it. <laughs> I don't like Pacific Rim. <laughs> um, I loved it. I love those movies, and everybody who gives me crap, I always tell them like, you know, what I love about Pacific Rim is I'm not going to see the plot. I'm not going there to. I, I know what I'm going to see that movie for. The yeah, humongous robots yeah. fighting, <laughs> fighting humongous monsters, and that's all there is to it. Like you could take all of the dialogue out of it. I just want to see these monsters. Yeah fight these robots and just explosions and, and all that. So that's my thing. <laughs> Perfect. And and pretty much that's why I like Pacific Rim as well. Um, the Jaegers yeah. are really impressive. And it was funny. I did another podcast and this was a, a Pacific Rim was a choice of one of my previous guests. Yes. And uh, sorry. And, uh, and we couldn't think of the name of the robots. We had a mental block on Jaeger, obviously. Yeah, and, um, Jaeger, Gypsy, and all that. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, I think Idris Elba was over the top with the acting and all that, and that sort of, I guess, matched the movie. But, but uh, yeah, you get to see the robots and the kaiju and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Oh, I, yeah. I do like that movie. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not nominating it for like greatest movie. No, all, <laughs> you know, it's definitely I, I get what I just expected. Out yeah, of exactly. Let's move on to your number five. Number five, this is another great cartoon that came out in the 80s, uh, Thundercats. I'm sure anybody who's over the age of even, I'd even say t- 22 right now, yep. knows the Thundercats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lionel, all of the, uh, the cat, the, the supporting cast throughout that cartoon, cat-like humanoids that <laughs> just fight, <laughs> uh, bad guys. Yes. Yeah. And I think with the way, They've done like Avatar, uh, the CGI and all that. I think that would turn out to, especially for the nostalgia reasons. Yes. I think it, it, it'd make a really good live action film. Oh, definitely. And, and when you picked Thundercats and I was thinking about how you would 
do a live action remake, the first thing I thought of was Avatar and how did how they well they did the aliens in that and how you could exactly, actually do that yeah. with Thundercats. They would be perfect. They'd be fantastic. Oh yeah. All right. So let's move on to number four. Number four was a oh, a favorite cartoon of mine. So let's uh, reveal your number four. Number four would be Gargoyles. Uh, is now I don't know. Was it always Disney or is just acquired by Disney over the years? I, I'm not um, sure. This was mid late nineties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Either way, one of the greatest cartoons that I remember watching. Yeah, loved it. Uh, for those who don't know, Gargoyles is about uh, a few gargoyles that are, you know, stone statues. And uh, it starts back in medieval times. And they lived on a castle and there was a curse that kept them in stone for all these years until the castle rose up above the clouds again. And this super rich tech guy kind of the villain of the show, rises the castle above. He puts it on one of his skyscrapers. And once the sun goes down, they break out of their shells and um, the gargoyles have been reborn. And I just, I love that. When Disney Plus came out, I, I got, you know, I paid for the year and I started watching gargoyles again just to, for the nostalgia reasons and kind of remind myself why why I used to watch it. And the gargoyles never had names besides Goliath, who's like the leader of the leader, gargoyles. Yeah. And, um... They all named themselves after after like boroughs of New York and uh, things like the Hudson River and things yep. like that. So me being, you know, I, I I have a lot of family in New York, so it just it brought back a lot of good memories. And I just I love Gargoyles. It was just a great show. It was it was fantastic. I thought because they was they were powerful and they were demonic looking, but they were so nice and they were good hearted and they they looked one way, but they were completely the opposite. And I guess maybe for young kids, it's a, a good uh, example. Of don't judge a book by its cover, sort of thing. Uh, maybe I'm looking too far into the the cartoon, but I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic and the animation was really good too. Yeah, it was very dark, but also like uh, just real. It, it was. I think if you were to do that today, it like you it, it holds up. Oh, Everything for sure. holds up. Yeah, you know? definitely. So for the time it took place back then, in, in the sense of when the cartoon was created to like today's technology, it holds up. Fantastic. I was really happy to see that on there because I, I had actually sort of forgotten about it a little bit, but I used to watch that series with my eldest son uh, when I'd go pick him up from my in-law's house and uh, I'd spend some time with him uh, before I took him home. It just seemed to be on at that that time when I'd go past and pick him up and we'd sit down and we'd uh, just watch it and we both loved it. It brought back a lot of really cool memories actually for myself. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. So that's that's six to four. Let's take another break. I do want to ask you one question about uh, your wife, Arlene. I'm getting her name correct? Yep. Yep. Cool. I I listened to uh, an episode. I think it was um, something to do with. I think it was March, and it was a woman uh, woman empowerment month. Empowerment month. Okay. Yeah. And uh, look, she sounds like a very intelligent and articulate person. How involved is your wife in your podcast generally? Um, it's but it's funny you say that because everybody who's heard that episode were they really would love for her to be like a co-host. Oh, definitely. Or to just have more <laughs> features on the podcast. Yeah. And she wants absolutely nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's almost a chore for her, like just mentally uh, yeah. getting prepared to do it. And she's just not about it. Um, okay. As far as being involved, she's a huge supporter, obviously. Um, 
she she does a lot of the background things for me. Okay. Um, but as far as budgeting goes, we're trying to come out with merchandise for the podcast. So she's been helping me in, in terms of just uh, analytics and budgeting and things like that. But as far as uh, being on the podcast, she she wants zero parts. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Was she supportive of you when you decided to do the the podcast? And and considering she knew the guys from the block gives back and the direction you were going to take with the podcast, obviously she would have been. I would assume she was supportive, but uh, I know it takes a lot of time to to do a podcast and also do all the the work behind the scenes that you do with the charities and things like that. Was she fully supportive, or did she raise an eyebrow like you're going to have time? Or yeah, she um. It's funny because I think I'm my worst critic and, uh, she, she noticed how stressed I was with some of the things, trying to make sure I got an episode out or if I got a, a guest, just trying to overall just have a good show. You know, I, it's, I wanted to go and grow in the direction that I wanted to. And it gets frustrating when things don't happen as quickly as you'd like them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can attest to that. <laughs> um, and she, she kind of grounded me a lot, kind of just like, Hey, she was a hundred percent supportive to answer your question, but she was also very like, Hey, sometimes you need to take a break, then yep. do that. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world, you know, just get right back into it. You got, and she also has pushed me where she's like, quit being lazy. You know, you have an episode to do. Why haven't you done it? Kind of yeah. thing. So That's she, good. uh, she keeps me in, she keeps me in line and she's very supportive, especially when it came to, uh, volunteering and the block is back. She's even re- she's great at researching things. So, Whenever I had a trouble looking up a nonprofit or something to do as far as volunteering, once you ask her, it's like, okay, cool, get ready for a long list because <laughs> she's going to give them to you. So well, she's she's helped me a lot in that in that category. Well, that, that's funny. That was one of the questions I was going to ask: was how do you find new people to highlight? But obviously, that's um, how you do it. Obviously, you hear of things, but uh, your wife's helping you out a lot with that too, which is is good to see. Yeah, I like I said, a lot of my network is in Philadelphia. So being out here is kind of hard because I didn't create a network the way I do in Philly, obviously, because I was raised there. So as far as finding people to to podcast um, an interview, I remember um, having this conversation with a couple of my buddies. I think I even mentioned it online because you don't have enough of a presence on social media. When you do reach out to certain people who do have a presence or who are doing something, they think you want something from them without giving something in return. So that's kind of one of the challenges that I still kind of face today where they're like suspicious. Oh, he's only got this many followers, you know, he can't be, you know, whatever the case might be. So I try to, I try not to let that bother me, but it's definitely one of those hindering points, but it's kind of, it's one of those games, you know, you just gotta, you gotta grow your show, grow your social media presence. Just keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know, take it as you can. Cool. I did want to ask you another question about your comments on the on the podcast. Now you don't get very political, you which is which is great. You pretty much don't look for blame or anything like that. You just get on with the doing the good works. But obviously many times the problems that you see are are formed or they come from inadequacies of government policy, whether that's federal, state, local, uh, or all of them. Do you actively avoid political commentary and is it hard not to make political comments sometimes when you're talking about the need for a charity? So for me, for my show, 
I don't want it to be a place where people are coming to listen to the politics of or, or my comments or opinions on politics. I, I do share every now and then only when things get have gotten so out of control in my eyes in the news, in the news space, because mm-hmm. I am I wouldn't say I'm, I'm very politically inclined, but I I know more than most, in my opinion, if I if I if I do say so myself. And um, I'm well educated and versed on, you know, there's a lot of identity politics out there. And I don't like to fall into that category where it's left and right, liberal, um, conservative, you know, Democrat, Republican, especially in the United States. So I, I just I like especially and it's just like the news, you know, everything with the news is is politicized and it's you're on our side or this side, you know, this side or that side. Like, I just want the news. I don't want your opinion on the news. I don't, I, I want the facts. So I even find myself, you know, today getting notifications from CNN and then notifications from Fox and it's almost polar opposites. And it's, it's quite disgusting <laughs> yeah. when, when, you know, the, the reach that these media outlets have and the influence that they can, they can give to the people who watch them. Yeah. So I listen, I, I find other outlets of, of news, you know, or sources to get my news where I can kind of come up with a general consensus of, okay, these are the facts and then come up with my own idea of those things. But when people are political on my podcast or they, they express their opinions on a candidate or something like that, I don't, I don't try to hush them. I let them kind of go on their thing because once again, I want my podcast to be transparent. I want people to understand. Like if, if I, I don't believe in that cancel culture and that silencing hate speech kind of thing. Yeah. Because when you do that, you kind of kill the conversation. And I, I've had so many conversations with people I disagree with. Yes. Where even if, even at the end of the conversation, if I don't change their mind or if they don't change mine, I at least know where they're coming from. Of course. And I can respect why they believe the way they, you know, their train of thought. Yeah. And I think we need more collectively as a society, more of that rather than um, constantly bickering back and forth. And I don't want to hear what you have to say because you don't agree. With me. Well, that, yeah, exactly. That that just shuts down, like you said, discussion. You have to be able to listen to things that are not palatable or you don't agree with, because if you don't discuss them, then like I've said once before, you, nothing gets fixed. You, you, if you don't know where the other person stands, then really you've got nowhere to actually bounce off of in terms of where you stand and, and find maybe that middle ground, which actually gets, gets the work done. Exactly. So fantastic. Oh, good to hear. All right. Look, let's move into your last three, the last, the top three movies that deserve a live action remake. So let's start with number three. And this will be a popular one, I think, considering. Um, yeah, so I picked Lilo and Stitch. And when I started this list, I wanted to make sure I didn't just do Disney movies because especially I feel like Disney is the king of live action remakes, you mm-hmm. know, especially right now. But um I think with with their success with Disney Plus and their success with other live action films that they're doing, I feel like Lilo and Stitch could be a really good once again, we're going to space. We're going to space <laughs> with, uh, you know, creatures and things of that yeah. nature. So I just think it'd be a really good, uh, opportunity for them to capitalize on another, you know, Hallmark movie that everyone loves. 
and you would already have a ready-made audience because there's not many people uh, that probably haven't seen Lilo and Stitch because uh, it's exactly. such a good cartoon. So everyone would probably want to see their live-action remake. So uh, it'd be a money turner, money spinner. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That thing, will, especially when movie theaters open back up, they'll that'll be <laughs> jam-packed. All right, cool. So that's number three. What's number two? Number two is oh, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Now I know this isn't a, a movie; it's more of a show. And I know they did a live-action movie, but I I I refuse to count that as an actual <laughs> live-action movie because of how garbage it was. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I did see this show. I thought there was a live action remake, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I put that there is because the show is so good. And like as as a cartoon, Mm -hmm. and they didn't. The thing that bothers me the most about terrible live action remakes are the deviation from source material. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's there for you. It's not hard. Don't rewrite it. It's already there. (laughs) They can't even pronounce the the main character's name correctly. and, And. in the live action. So I was just, I have such a bitter taste in my mouth about that live action that it, I don't, I refuse to uh, count that as a, as a real remake. So fair enough. I can, I can understand. And yeah, look, it, like you said, it's already there. Don't mess with it. Just get it right and do it because yeah. you're going to have all the fanboys and everyone that loves canon and stuff like that and just wants to stay true to the original story. They're going to, they're going to come down on you hard if you don't do it correctly. And, and I think that's why, for example, going back to Deadpool again, it took so long to get that movie out because they wanted to change that so much. So, and people just don't like it when you do that, especially with something that worked to begin with. Exactly. And there's so much, there's so much in that show. Oh yeah. That you definitely. can, you, you know, you can, you can just take a, you could take a quarter of it and yep. make it an amazing movie. Yeah. Definitely. With, with, uh, it could be a money, like you said, it could be a, a, a money machine for you when yeah. you, remake something like that if you make it into a show or a movie because you can have multiple and it's just it's just so good and it touches on so many topics especially even in today's society topics so of course yes i I hope they do it again and i hope they do it properly so we'll see all right so we're at number one and just like gargoyles uh this is one that i was really happy to see on there and uh, i'd probably agree with your number one so let everybody know what your number one is Number one is also a Disney favorite of mine. It might be my number one uh, Disney movie, and it's uh, Treasure Planet. And uh, for those who don't know, Treasure Planet, I don't even, I don't really remember when it came out, but it's about a kid who doesn't know their father, their mom raised them, and uh, takes place on this crazy, I don't know if it's the future and a different planet or a different solar, uh, different universe. But um, this kid's good with machines and stuff like that, and he finds a a piece of a map to Treasure Planet, which is a planet where this very famous galactic pirate uh, left all of his treasure. And it's just a really good film all all around. It's just one of my favorite movies. Two thousand and two. Back to space. Two thousand two. Okay. Oh, two, there you go. Yeah. There you go. It's uh, this is one when I I saw it on there, and I thought to myself. Because I, who was the voice actor behind the young boy Jim Hawkins? Was that Matt Damon? Or- I don't even know. I can I can tell you. <laughs> no, actually, having a look here, it says I think it was Joseph uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, I'm just having a look on uh, Wikipedia, and yeah, I think it was Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt was uh, uh, Jim Hawkins. But I thought I thought it was Matt Damon. 
it matched the look of the character probably a little bit more. Um, yeah. That's probably just why I thought of that. But, yeah, look, it fantastic movie that, you know, combines pirates, um, you know, sci-fi. Uh, it's a young boy's dream sort of thing. So Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Flying and ships. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's basically the ocean on a, you know, you're you're – you're on a, sh- a pirate ship in the ocean, but the ocean is actually the universe. And yes. You're just sailing out in space. This is a movie brings back a lot of great memories for myself because, uh, again, this is a movie that my eldest boy and I watched a lot when he was young. I think you could do a wonderful job. You cast this right. You give it, you know, all the CGI that it deserves in terms of spending the money, and this would be a great live-action remake. Absolutely. I think it- – a visual masterpiece this movie could be oh, uh, if they did a yeah. live action remake. It's just so good with, with, with all of the things that they're able to do with like the star Wars, uh, show and, and, um, and those other movies like mm. this, this, this could be one of the best live actions. So I, that's why I say that one for last. So I, I would like, you've seen life of Pi. I don't think. What was that? Life of Pi, the the boy that um, uh, he spends uh, all this time on a lifeboat because uh, the ship that he was on uh, sank, and he was on a a boat with a Bengal tiger. Visually, the movie. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Though. I've seen the trailer. See, watch that movie. It's a fantastic movie, but visually, it's one of the most breathtaking movies I've ever seen. And if you got the same guys that uh, have that eye for how to present things to do something like Treasure Planet, I think that would be, like you said, it would be fantastic and it would be breathtaking in terms of uh, what they could do with it in supernovas and star clusters and the, the colours and things that they could use. It would be, uh, be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. That's it. Okay, so that's that's 10 to 1 and uh, really, really fun. Uh, brought back a lot of memories for me actually with uh, especially <laughs> the Cargoals and Treasure Planet. So Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, look, I'll ask you what is now probably the obligatory question that I ask all my guests after we finish their, their 10 to 1, just to, to give us maybe a, a little bit more of an insight into uh, your life. What are you reading, watching, or listening to at the moment that you're really enjoying? Okay. Um, reading. Right now I am reading a book called um, – it's uh, How to Manage Your Daily Life. And it's such a good read and easy read. Um, man, I really wish I had the book on me. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, it's, uh, it's so easy, easily digested because it's not, it's not like your everyday book where it's a chapter and you're reading until you finish that chapter. It's like, here's a huge quote to, to show you that you're on one chapter. And then the next is kind of tips on how to manage your life and how to, be consistent with certain things. You know, I, I started reading that book because I wanted to be more consistent and um, better at managing my day-to-day life so I can do this podcast better. Um, Makes sense. As far, yeah. As far as uh, what am I listening to? That's what you're, the next one is. Yeah, reading, um, watching, and listening. So listening, I am currently listening to, uh, I don't know if you ever heard Bad Bunny. Oh, I know of Bad Bunny, yes, yes. Yes, yeah, so Bad Bunny is uh, a Puerto Rican, uh, me, being of Puerto Rican descent, he is my favorite uh, reggaeton artist, <laughs> and uh, he is 
now the what is it uh he's had the most he's like um, in 64 years of, of billboard he's number one in, in multiple categories mm-hmm. and he is just making waves as far as uh the music industry goes and his latest album is um el, el ultimo tour del mundo and it's like uh the ultimate tour, tour of the world, world. Yeah. and it's just when you think it i think this is his third or fourth album uh-huh. but um everyone that he's he's dropped has been just better than the last yeah and i just don't know how an artist does that i listen to music a lot and that thing is just on repeat so yeah it's pretty look i i, I learned of bad bunny through listening to funnily enough another podcast um there you go orlando and julian uh orlando's uh, puerto rican uh, background and julian's uh colombian background and uh they do a podcast and i interviewed those guys uh for a podcast myself and but listening to one of their episodes they they mentioned bad bunny and uh, i was like who's bad bunny who's this and, and checked it out and so yeah that's 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 pretty cool yeah bad bunny i, I like it it's nice so yeah it's, fu- it's funny um when i first heard his name i thought it was really stupid <laughs> And then I seen his look, and I was like, I, I'm, I'm not interested in this guy. Yeah. But yeah. the more I listen to him, the more I see him interacting, and the reasons he does certain things, it's like I, I love this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Any anything uh, that you're watching, like a Netflix special or anything like that, that's really grabbed your, your attention? Yeah. So, um, I know I spoke about Disney Plus. I was damn near a uh, what is it a, a promotion for them, <laughs> but um. <laughs> Um, I, I've been watching the Clone Wars oh, animated series again. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Um, they because of the Mandalorian show yes. that's out. Uh, they they refer to a lot of the things that's been going on, and the Clone Wars is just there's so many episodes, and it has so much lore into Star Wars that yeah. I just wanted to rewatch it again. Yep. And I'm just picking up small gems here and there that's putting the story uh, together a little more closely knitted and it's just giving me a, a better appreciation of, of the storytelling and how everything falls into place yeah definitely so th- that's what i'm watching right now yeah that's great can you imagine a live action remake of that <laughs> oh it'd be forever <laughs> they'd take for that'd, that'd be awesome actually so you'd have a job for life as an actor <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> fantastic Mate, Jonathan, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, it was great highlighting your work and putting you in the limelight for, for once. And, uh, I hope that everyone that eventually does hear this goes along and has a, a listen to your podcast and hears about all the great work that you're doing and all the great work that's being done in different communities across America and especially in Philadelphia. Um, so I'll put all the, the links in the show notes, but if you'd like to plug away on, your show and anything else, any other contact points that you'd like to mention, especially like for block gives back and things like that, feel free to uh, take the time to do that now. Perfect. Uh, I just want to start by saying thank you for having me on your show. This was really, really fun. Never done something like this. And it was uh, a nice change of pace um, from me, the one highlighting things to being the one highlighting. So <laughs> I really appreciate all that you're doing. This yeah. is really cool definitely going to be one of my go-to podcasts to listen to from here on out. But um, if you want to find me or follow me, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Limelight Highlight. Um, I'm on Twitter. Very, I'm not, I don't tweet too much, but if you want to look me up on there, it's LL underscore highlight. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, 
I'm on everywhere you can find podcasts. I'm on, I'm on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes, or, you know, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, YouTube, anywhere you want to listen to podcasts, you can find my podcast. It's just Limelight Highlight. If you want to email me, you can email me at limelighthighlight at gmail.com. I like talking to uh, a lot of the listeners, even if there's something you want to share. It can be as minuscule as walking an old lady across the street. You know, I just like to highlight that people are out there listening, getting more interaction and, and doing things to, to help each other. That's great, mate. Fantastic. Well, as I said, I'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you very much again. And I'll see or hear you on your next podcast when I listen in. So thanks again and have a, a very safe week and I'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it, Darren. This is great. That's another one in the books, guys, and I think you will agree Jonathan is a great guy and his countdown was a lot of fun. It was the last topic I thought he would ever pick and it was a welcome surprise. Anyway, please subscribe to the show and if you can, tell someone about my show that you think might be interested. Also, let me know what I can do to make the show better. I'm all ears, ready and willing to adapt and improve. There is a Patreon and a Buy Me A Coffee page, so you can support me there if you're able. However, I'd just like to have more people listen and for you to let me know what you'd like to hear, either from the interview shows or from the review and recommend shows I also do here on the same feed. Thanks again for listening, and I'll chat at you again next week.